1925, in New York City, in Central Park, they put up a statue of an Alaskan sled dog named Balto. I thought you should hear that this morning. Um, uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the elders here at Dallas Church. Um, welcome. I'm glad you're here, wherever here is. Um, today we're going to look at three words, hear several stories, and hear what Jesus says about greatness. Um, our first word is great. Um, and I'm an English teacher, and so this will look a little bit like an English lesson. And hopefully it'll turn into looking more like a sermon in a second. But great is an adjective, and adjectives describe things. And great is an adjective that gets around. We attach it to all kinds of things. What is the last thing that you called great? That was a great burrito. That is a great idea. That's a great question. What did the people around you think? Did they also think that was a great idea? If you put up a statue somewhere of something, who would also think that was a great idea to put that statue up? So great is an adjective, and it describes things, and it attaches itself to all kinds of things. People are called great. Peter the Great, Alexander the Great, Constantine the Great. The hockey player Wayne Gretzky was known as the Great One. Muhammad Ali was called the greatest. Um, the president, uh, Ronald Reagan, was sometimes called the great communicator. The physicist, Richard Feynman, was called the great explainer. Babe Ruth, which sounds a little bit like a burn, if you ask me, was called the great bambino. Right, like the new excellent baby, you know. So places are called great. There's the Great Rift Valley, the Great Plains, the Great Lakes, the Great Wall of China, um, Great Britain, right? Um, books are called great. You might go to school and you might study the great books. Literature with a capital L is sometimes called the great conversation. Sometimes people call prayer the same thing. The Great Gatsby is sometimes, we're not going to do this all day, don't worry. <laughs> the Great Gatsby is sometimes called the Great American Novel. Um, you could take a history class, and you could take hundreds of history classes where you were studying things that just had the word great in the title. Between the years 1400 and 1700, the English language experienced this shift where we started to say the vowels differently. And it was called, wait for it, the Great Vowel Shift. World War I was called the Great War. If you were born after the Great War and lived through the Great Depression and fought in World War II, you were a part of the greatest generation. In 1919 in Boston, it was the Great Molasses Flood, which is a lot more traumatic than it sounds. A big vat of molasses spilled and flooded a street, destroyed buildings and people. There was the Great Fire of London, the Great San Francisco Earthquake, um, lots of things. In 1925, in Nome, Alaska, there was something called the Great Race of Mercy, or the Nome Serum Run. And in 1925, in Nome, Alaska, and Nome's a town in Alaska that's pretty isolated, there was a deadly disease, and children and people were dying, and there was medicine hundreds of miles away. And so 20 different teams of sled dogs drove through the stormy weather and the snow. I don't think you drive a sled dog. I don't know what you do. But they're going through there, and they get the medicine, and they bring it back. 
It was known as the Great Mercy Race. And one of those dogs was named Balto. And he has a statue in Central Park. And another one of those dogs was named Togo. And there's a movie about him. And some say Togo was the better dog because he ran a lot further. It was more heroic. Um, movies are called great. The Great Train Robbery. The Great Debaters. We like to debate great. We like to rank who is in your top ten, who is the best, right? Recently, speaking of movies, I don't know if you've heard this news, Citizen Kane for a long time was considered the greatest movie ever made, but a negative review was found, and on the website, Rotten Tomatoes, are you ready? I don't know if you can handle this, Paddington 2 is now the greatest movie. <laughs> Um, does any of this matter? <laughs> does any of this matter? Beavers and ducks, Android, Apple, Ford, Chevy. Who is the greatest of all time? Michael Jordan, LeBron James. So pick your sport. Is it Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback? Right? We compete. We compete for gold medals. Who is going to win the gold statue? Right? Is it the Oscar? Is it the Emmy? Is it the Grammy? We have the great British bake-off. We have the World Cup, the World Series, the NBA Finals. We, there's competition shows called the Amer American Idol. <laughs> American Idol. Um, what were the ratings? How many people were at the, the rally? What is great? Today we're going to look at what Jesus says about greatness. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us leave today with an understanding of what you mean by greatness. Amen. The Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were written by people that walked and lived and followed Jesus. They knew what Jesus' breath smelled like. They knew what Jesus' laugh sounded like. They knew what it felt like to have Jesus wash their feet. And in the last gospel, the gospel of John, um, the last paragraph, John says, you know what? I'm going to paraphrase a lot today. I hope that's okay. John says, you know what? Jesus did a lot of other stuff too, and we couldn't write it all down. And if we did, there wouldn't be enough room in all the world to contain those books. And so if you want to know what Jesus said, what Jesus taught, what Jesus' life was like, go to the gospels and read from the people I don't know if you've seen this, but people have all kinds of things to say about Jesus and all kinds of opinions, and they're saying, Jesus said that, Jesus said that. Um, the Gospels were written by the people who were with him. And we're going to look at a few stories from there today. Um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell the story of the disciples, and they're going about living their life, and they're arguing. And they're debating. And I really wish I knew what the debates were in the first century. Right? It wasn't about football or basketball. But you know, they're humans and they're debating and arguing stuff. But one of the things they're arguing about is, you know what? what you know, which one of us is the greatest? Who's the greatest? And Jesus overhears them. What are you guys talking about? And, you know. And some of the accounts, like, they don't answer. But Jesus just keeps talking because he knows, right? Um, and so Jesus calls a child over to him. And he says, if you want to be great, be like one of these. Not a teenager, a child. There's a difference. No, I joke. 
And I don't know which child he chose. Like, he had to choose maybe that. Um, and that, that's always curious to me, like, be like a child, right? Um, and what he means, what he's meaning, one of the things is you have to humble yourself, right? And at their best, children are humble and they're vulnerable and they trust their parents, right? Um, and Jesus goes on and he says, hey, welcome children in my name. And you do that and you welcome me. And he warns his disciples and anyone listening, if you put stumbling blocks in front of children and keep them from me, that's a bad thing. Um, when they argued about who was the greatest, Jesus said, humble yourself like this child. When they argued about who was the greatest, Jesus said, you need to be the servant of all. Um, next week is Mother's Day, and I hope you'll join us um, on Sunday for Mother's Day. Um, one mother in the Bible um, was the mother of James and John, who were some followers of Jesus. And James and John's mother goes to Jesus one day and says, hey, I have these sons. And you're, you know, you're setting up this kingdom in heaven, I think. And what if like, one of them sat on your right and one of them sat on your left? Because they're great. My kids are great. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's not how this works. He said, if you want to be great, you'll be the servant of all. What is greatness? Well, Jesus says to be great, be the servant of all. Our next word is not going to win any popularity contests. And I don't know if words, I mean, I kind of feel like words have popularity contests, but I don't think the word commandment is in the cool kids group. Um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And those are beautiful words, aren't they? I mean, like, we see posters of faith and hope and love, and those are good words. But, and it feels awkward to say this, especially here, but commandment? Um, I mean, could we... I like suggestion, um, best practices, options, the great options, um, the great invitations, the great requests are pretty good. I like those. But the word is commandment that we're going to look at. And a commandment is a rule that must be followed. Um, and it's a rule when you break a commandment there are often consequences, and severe consequences sometimes. Right, so if you break a suggestion or an option, it's like, well, okay. Advice, the great advice. Um, but here's my serious question for me and for you this morning. Who can command you? The great answer. Who can command you? Anyone can ask you. Anyone can suggest. It's almost impossible to live your life without being sprinkled with advice everywhere you go, right? Who can command you? It's not a word you see very often, right? You don't get a text from somebody that says, I command you to be here tomorrow at 2. Right? Oh, you do. <laughs> right? And the Bible talks about submitting to one another in love, and probably the person sending you that is somebody you would probably do it, but command. Who can command you? Um, there's a story in the Gospels, in Matthew 22, 
And Matthew is, or Jesus is living his life. He's walking around, teaching, telling stories, um, showing his disciples how to do things. And there's some Jewish groups called the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And they are trying to trick Jesus. They keep asking him questions. And they keep playing this game that if you have children or if you've ever been in a classroom, um, you know the game. And it's, what if, what about, but so-and-so said, and Jesus is Jesus and he answers the questions. Like, he's got it. Um, And they keep trying to trick him and they keep trying to dismiss him. Because if he says something crazy and clearly wrong, then they can dismiss him and not take him seriously. Right? Um, And so they ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says something that isn't new. He just has what Moses said. He says a sentence that we can find in Deuteronomy right after um, Moses gets the Ten Commandments. He says the Shema, which is a sentence you can find in Deuteronomy 6.5. Jesus says the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and body. Different translations say different things, but right, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love God with all of you, with everything. And when Moses says that, he goes on, he says, hey, love God with everything. And then when you're walking around, tell everybody. And then when you go to sleep, think about it. And when you wake up, think about it. And write it down and tell your kids. Like, this is it. So Jesus repeats that. The greatest commandment is love God with everything. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, this sums up the law and the prophets. So it's two things, right? Love God with all of you. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Now I've been struggling all week with trying to say this right. Um... Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a controversial thing to say. Most people, if you go around and ask, they're all about it, right? Go over and ask. Do you think we should do that? Now, it's true the way some people define neighbor is maybe limited or restricting. And it's true there are some curious definitions or understandings of love. But if you look around the world in communities all over, there are people doing things out of love, or attempting to, what they understand to be love. Um, And order matters. Some things aren't linear. I'm not a very linear person. I do things maybe kind of... But sometimes order matters. Do not... Tell me if you know what I'm talking about. Do not order the concrete truck before you build the forms. Do not order the concrete truck before you build the forms. Right? And don't ask the painter to show up before you've built the foundation of the house. Right? Sometimes order matters. And what I want you to think today, Jesus says, love God with everything and then love your neighbor. What happens when we don't do the first one? Or we don't try to do the first one. 
Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When we don't know what to do, seek God first. Um, when we order the concrete truck first and we don't have the forms, the concrete's probably, there's nothing wrong with the concrete, right? Just like, you know, love is a good thing and an impulse, you know. But without those forms, sometimes um, it's, a, it's a mess. <laughs> Ooh. The book after the Gospels is called the Book of Acts. And it tells the story of the early church after Jesus has given them the Great Commission and left and how they live together and how they spread the news and live, follow Jesus. And Paul is one of the leaders in the early church and he goes to the city of Athens. And he's walking around Athens, he's talking to the philosophers and he's reading their poems and looking at their statues and their plaques. And some of the philosophers and people said, hey, can you tell us more about this Jesus guy? Like, it kind of sounds interesting, it kind of sounds weird. And Paul says, sure. And he stands up and he quotes their poets and he says, I noticed that you had a plaque that says, to an unknown God. And I want to tell you about who I think that unknown God you're looking for is. And he tells the story of Jesus and he invites them to repent and follow Jesus. And some of them do. But he saw in those Athenians, there was that peace missing to an unknown God. And so often, when you see people trying to love their neighbor, that's the right impulse. When a hungry child is hungry and somebody's trying to feed them, that's, that's the right thing. There are a lot of people operating trying to do the right thing. Now, the reason the order matters, right, is we love God. And then we love our neighbor. If we do the first one, loving God, the Shema, that teaches us how to love our neighbor the way they need to be loved. To love in the way the world needs. Great is an adjective that describes things. A commandment is a rule or an order. Um, our third word today is commission. Commission. Um, and it means orders. And you don't see, you see it sometimes in the military context or commissioners. Um, I like to think of it, it helps me understand, co and mission, a mission we do together. And before Jesus leaves, before Jesus leaves, in the end of the Gospels, you can find this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says this, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. I want to ask you again, who can command you? Who can command you? Who do you obey? Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And Jesus can command us. And if he can, who can, right? And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the Great Commission. That's our mission. That's what we mean at the end of service when we say, be the church. What did he command us to do? He commanded us to be great in the way God defines great. Right? 
He brought a child up to them and said, look at him. <laughs> Be like this child. Be a <laughs> great bambino. He didn't say that. Um, the question I ask you this morning and the question I ask myself and we should always ask is what story are we telling with our lives? What kind of greatness are we perhaps seeking or looking for? Is it great in the way Jesus defines great? What story is the church here and worldwide telling? Is it great in the way Jesus defines great? Peter, um, another apostle and follower of Jesus, um, wrote in a, in a letter, 1 Peter, you can find this 3.15, he said, In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. There's the Shema again, right? So start, in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord, and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And do so with gentleness and respect. We love God. We love our neighbors. And we share why. And we share why. I don't know. We're surrounded by arguments and definitions and different stories. Um, you're going to hear all, like, look up Paddington 2 and Citizen Kane. And I don't know how many words you could read about, um, I don't know, which one's a better movie. Or pick a sport, pick a anything, right? Pick a name on a campaign sign, whatever. We're going to have all kinds of words. Um, and some stories are misleading. Some are leaning in the right direction. Um, some are okay. Some are good. Maybe some are great. But the answer, is it not, when you see a story, when you see something that's just kind of not quite right, is to tell a better one. How many times have you heard people complain about the strike zone in the dugout? The answer to that, is it not, is to get back at bat and take a swing. Um, Jesus called us to live a great story in the way God defines greatness. To be great bambinos. <laughs> and that's what we mean by being the church. Our words today were great and commandment and commission. What is great? What is great? Greatness is loving God the Shema, putting him first. Loving God, the Shema, putting him first, seeking him first. Loving people in the way God asks us to love them. Being able to share why we have hope. Just as Peter reminds us, just as Paul reminded us. And being the church, which means living the story that Jesus taught us to live and inviting others with us. The Gospels, the first four books in the New Testament, were written by the people that were with Jesus, that smelled his breath and that heard his laughter. The book of Acts tells the story of the early church following out Jesus' great commission. And we, 2,000 years later, are a part of that story. When we say, be the church, it means we go out and we love God with all of us. 
with all we are, and we love our neighbors, and we share why, and we fulfill the Great Commission and bring others along with us. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for this opportunity to gather. Please help us leave today with a better understanding of what greatness means and what our part in this story is. In Jesus' name, amen. And commission.